Good morning, film fans. It's the first episode of the year, and we have a very special, special episode because Dan Buffa is here with us. We're going. OG. Yeah, we're going to talk best of the year. But before we do that, yeah, we're saying goodbye to 2020 and we're welcoming in 2021. But uh, we are before we get to the best, we're going to talk about the worst. We'll talk to our guest, Dan Buffin, just a moment. We'll set up the year of 2020 around minute eight, our most disappointing and worst films of the year around minute 25, our honorable mentions around minute 43. We'll get into our top tens around one hour and 22 minutes, our top three, and then around one hour and 37 minutes, our top films of the year. First of all, hi, Dan. Hi, how you doing? How, how, how's it, this, this is like the Brady Bunch. We're just missing a square now. We're, we're missing a square. We need like... Max to show the we we can mute Max though we can just have him show from the top board. <laughs> now I'm going to be doing the same list unless I change my mind next week with Max on the on Max on Movie Show. Well, I mean, I mean, Lynn, I mean, in two months we're going to be voting for Critics Choice or some in like what month and a half? It's I a know. crazy year. It's I, I don't understand. So Judas and the Messiah and what's the Robin Wright land? All these Let movies are coming out. What's going on? I, I don't like this. Do you two like this? Because I don't like it. No, I, I don't like it. I do. Aren't until April 28th, I think, or 25th. 24th. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever that yeah. Sunday is. April 24th. Yeah. The Cardinals are going to be playing and the Blues are going to be playing when the Oscars are happening. Right. That was in the old days when they were the only game in town besides Golden Globes. Golden Globes, remember, it would be this weekend. And we'd all be talking yeah. about the Golden Globes. I wouldn't and be now- talking about the Golden Globes. <laughs> well, well I, I'd be making fun of the Golden Globes on Twitter. <laughs> That's what yeah, well, it's um, it's going to be hi. February 20th. Say hi, my boy. Hi, hi Vinny. Vinny. He's almost as tall as me. Well, it's, it's a gro- Sunday, Sunday, April 25th is the Oscars. April 25th. So I suggested way back in March when everything shut down that 2020 should just be what 2020 is. And that's what we're doing right now. We're going to talk about the films we saw. I saw 90 narrative films and then I saw 25 documentaries. So a total of 115 films. Documentaries. Yeah. Yeah, Come on. That's good. That's one for the team right there. Except Lynn. Lynn tripled mine. Lynn, how many movies did you see this year? Seventy um, seven hundred. I saw about 170, <laughs> 175 when all is said and done. And then I forgot to count the festival. And then um I still have I still have about I still have about ten to go. Yeah, this I have ten week. I have a list of ten movies I still want to see. And three of them are documentaries. Danny yeah. How many? Yeah, you saw you the see? board. I mean, you saw the board at least yeah. ten. I mean, and the thing is, I do that because every time I sit on my couch, that board just goes, "Hey," he's like, "Don't you turn on? Don't you turn on Chef again?" It, it, the, the, the board <laughs> talks to me and tells me, "Don't watch old movies. Don't watch movies you've already seen." Or it says, "Don't turn on Blade Runner. Don't do it. Don't stare into Ryan Gosling's eyes." So, Dan, how many movies did you watch this year? I watched. Oh gosh, let's just here we go. In my little encyclopedia here, um, 142. Wow. 
So, Very good. and I'll probably have more. I, I, I still feel like I should have watched more. I don't know. I, know. I need to watch ten more. There, there, there's, there's so much out. I mean, I mean, I thought this year when stuff was getting pushed back or postponed or canceled, hey, we can like lay up a little bit. But then more came out. More, more, more. Well, I think uh, it was. Uh, uh, Carl has a good point. He thinks everything that was at Sundance and the film yeah. festival was all unloaded. Bought. Yeah, it was all bought, purchased for content because they weren't making any fresh content as it was. We and, all were in in mid March. You guys had seen Bloodshot. I did not. I didn't either. I I saw. Onward, that was my last film. And Carl, you saw The Hunt. I did. Yeah, me too. Both of us. Yeah, I was there. I think Joe Moskis got pizza that day, I think. (laughs) Well, no, you went to the screening. You went to the screening, Dan. And then, Dan, you got me into a late night screening at the Galleria. Oh, That was the last one I saw in a theater. That's back when we were doing that. Wow. It seems like two years ago, not in like March. Well, technically, it's 10 months ago. Oh, well, man. almost a year. The only film I've been at this year was Tenet, which we'll talk about. But oh. that was the IMAX at Ronnie's, because I, I went, felt- I saw it outside. I saw it at, I saw it at the Skyview. You did? And, yeah. And the you Sky saw a Christopher View. Nolan film at the Skyview. Oh man, that, that had to be nice. Well, no, it actually wasn't nice because the sound was, you know, coming out. Oh, of your the speakers. sound. Oh no. And but no, because you had to keep your car on for like because the new cars Sorry, you can't Lynn, you can only you can only keep your uh speakers on as no, long as your car's you on. <laughs> Go ahead, Lynn. What's that? Bourbon? No, I meant to tell you that uh, the Skyview has had record box office this year. Yeah, and oh, that's so have, great. Love it. I, my buddy this guy my, I, Yeah. The the Litchfield drive-ins for sale, and this guy said he could do it if I would run it. Do it. There you go. No, my buddy Justin Johnson runs a great podcast called Don't Push Pause, where he looks back at 80s films, and he always goes to the Skyview because they replay a lot of 80s movies. Yeah, they showed uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that little indie film? Oh, I remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great, great year for retro, but it was also a great year for streaming. And I will tell you this, that I sent in my Alliance of Women Film Journalist ballot last night. You did, yeah. A Monday. And uh, they sent out an initial list of eligible films that had 400 movies. Wow. Wow. Now, now does does that include, does that include like... Wonder Woman. Well, I get not one. Let's say Wonder something Woman. like Palm Springs or Soul that were on streaming only. And by the way, I've got like yeah, seventeen it, Palm it. Springs screeners. I, I don't know why they keep. <laughs> I mean, I love the movie. It's in my top ten deep tees. But they keep. I have three screeners of Palm Springs. I have one, but and that's part of the he, neon. He, well, here's why, and then and then. Hulu sent it out, and then yesterday right. I sent it, but I got it. See, it's that it's because it's a Hulu film, but it's also a neon film, and it's also uh, Lonely Island. Is it Lonely Island also? And, yeah. And really, and one film I want to call attention to, it's not even honorable mention, but 
There was a great film that was moved from a theatrical to streaming. It was Greyhound, the Tom Hanks film. Yep. Talk about a pulse-pounding 92-minute movie. That's in my top five, another deep tease, film critics awards. That's in my top five action films. It's, it's really kind of an action film. Well, let's start with a, a category I that I have come up with. It's it's not worst films of the year. I think worst films of the year is disrespectful. It's kind of tough. It's tough. Yeah. It, it's being disrespectful to the whole process that goes into a movie. You know, I like to call it films. I'm yeah. most disappointed. Yeah. Let down. Let down. And, and I don't and I don't include <laughs> movies like Super Intelligence, Unhinged or Doolittle oh, or even something super, like oh. Kajillionaire because that those are too easy to say. I watched. You're I disappointed. Watched, I watched Super Intelligence, and I was. I, I wanted to like pull Bobby Cannavale out of that movie. I was like, <laughs> No, come on, Bobby, come on. It's basically Melissa McCarthy and her husband making another, you know, mediocre to bad comedy. Exactly. That's what I and those. That's that's low hanging fruit. That's, I, yeah, I, it is. I'm giving. Okay, Lynn, would you like ladies first? Give your five most disappointing films of the year. Five. Well, I have um, well, I have three most disappointing, and then I have five worst. But I can move <laughs> go ahead. No, the say them all. Say them all. Unleash it, Lynn. Don't okay, hold so, back. This is Zoom. Okay. For most disappointing, number one would be Tenet. I can see that. Yeah. And uh, number, yeah, number two is Mank. And number three is the remake of Rebecca. Be- Rebecca, you hate Army Hammer. Yeah, we know the remake. Oh, I don't but like it. He's he, he, he's basically here. This is Army Hammer. A a blank page. <laughs> oh, a falling book. <laughs> he's yeah, a piece of cardboard. It's this perfect book, one of my all-time favorite books, and just ruined. And a it. classic Hitchcock film. Now, now, yes. Lynn, what was the name of this movie again? Rebecca. Rebecca was the oh, re- yeah. I heard oh. uh, Twitter, film critics on Twitter just destroyed it. Oh, it was terrible. But, and I guess, I guess Hillbilly Elegy, I would put on that list because it was supposed to be Amy Adams and Glenn Close's acting tour de force. That's the first <laughs> and time it was I- just. It it's was the just first time a, I didn't like Amy Adams. I mean, I mean, I, I, I kind of I looked at her and I was like, "You're trying too hard. You don't have to try." I mean, how many Oscar nominations does she have? Five or Five? six? Six. So yeah. why are you, why are you trying that hard? Yeah, I agree though. That yeah. that's disappointing. It, she well, was not sympathetic, and she was histrionic, and it was a white trash jubilee. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, here are my five most disappointing films of the year. Uh, five to one. Five is Artemis Fowl, which Disney ruined a very good book and, <laughs> and tried for a franchise, and thank goodness it will never happen. Uh, number four, Lynn already mentioned Mank. I was so disappointed in Mank. It is uh, not historically accurate, and it is beautifully shot, and Amanda Seyfried is wonderful in it, but there's just so many things wrong with it. Uh, number three uh, this will upset some people onward i was disappointed by onward because me too well me too it was it was not it's lower it's lower grade pixar not lower grade but lower tier pixar it's like it's diet pixar i'm just kidding i liked it a little more the second time i watched it, it but the first time i was kind of a little bit kind of going but then the second time with my son 
I don't know. We kind of locked up on it. I don't know. We, we, we liked it. Number two, my runner up for most disappointing film of the year, <laughs> the doorman, or is it doorman? <laughs> Cause they sent us doorman and they also sent us the doorman and it was Jean the Reno. same film. The John Reno and Ruby Rose. And it, it, and I did the review without saying the words die and hard next to each other. <laughs> and my most disappointing film of the year is the remake of a fantastic foreign film, Force Majeure, Downhill, starring oh. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and oh, Will Ferrell. Yeah. It is worst. That's on my worst. All right, Lynn, what, what are your five worst? My five worst are... I'll go with... Uh, she did Disappointing, Dan. Like oh, a, Disappointing, yeah. Like a Boss. Oh, that was a movie in theaters. Oh, yeah, that was. T- that, that's on my list. <laughs> it was so painful. And uh, I when I ran into Billy Porter in uh, uh, the uh, line for the restroom in uh, for uh, Critics' Choice Awards, I said to him, I go, you were the best thing about like a boss, a boss. And, he at me. and I had said, and then I said, Oh, I'm sorry to say it, you know, cause it's, you know, I said it kind of loud. And then I said, but it's the truth. And he smiled, laughed. He and then he must um, have jobs. Yeah. And then uh, number, number four oh. would be do little, do little. Oh, terrible, terrible. And then three is Artemis Fowl. Hey. Yeah, and then uh, two is downhill, and number one is unhinged. Russell Crowe, they what? This is the movie that was forced upon us. You had to go see it in a theater. I I was a little scared of that guy, so I I, I liked it. But there's people that also it was kind of a polarizing film. Yeah. It's just uh, it's. Uh... You, she makes so many horrible choices in that film. Yeah, she really does. She does the textbook bad, stupid uh, woman. It's in, like in that Geico film. commercial. Let's no. let's hide let's hide behind the chainsaws. Russell hey. Crowe has gone full with with this and True History of the Kelly Gang. He has gone full Orson Welles. He has beefed up, <laughs> not in a that's good a- way, and he. That's kind of an underrated. That's an underrated movie of the year, the the Kelly Gang movie. And he is he is just chewing the scenery like unbelievable. It's like remember when he was so good, the insider. Remember when he won LA. Oscars? Yeah, I, will, I, I, again, I, I yeah. I mean, I will say I enjoyed it. I, I kind of thought he chewed scenery, but I kind of wanted him to chew scenery, so I was ready for that. But he has dropped. I mean, he used to be. The marquee guy. I mean, Bud White, L.A. Confidential, you know, Maximus. You know, he's getting stabbed by the Joker in his back. It's not cool. The nice so. guys. Even something light like <laughs> nice guys. He's great in nice guys. He does. He, what does he do? Does he break his, his hand or his wrist? He goes, oh, no. <laughs> I love nice guys. <laughs> oh. He's very good in American Gangster and State yeah. of Play. Yeah, he was really good. I remember when he goes into that, he, I mean, when, when they bust that drug room and he goes through the door and he, he elbows a woman, knocks her out. Like, man, only Russell Crowe can do that. <laughs> All right, Dan, it's your turn. All right, I'm not sure if I have five and five, but we're just going to, I have a list. 
Some of the worst. The worst movie is the first movie I watched, Underwater with Kristen Stewart. She spends most of her time in her underwear making. Uh, she's not the worst thing in that movie, though. Hey, oh, no. It, it's just the, the beginning has a great action sequence, and then it just goes really downhill. Vincent Cassell is in it. He always plays a bad guy. I, I, I want Vincent Cassell to play a nanny in a movie because he just <laughs> needs to do that. Um, and then little, uh, the, the kid the kid from uh, the newsroom, is he spends half of the movie knocked out. <laughs> he does. Um, Lynn, I agree with you as one of my worst Doolittle. I am a downy honk. And to see him struggle with some kind of Brad Pitt from Snatch, crazy Irish accent, it was just terrible. It, it, it made my head hurt. And after the movie, I was like, I was, but I kind of, I said before the film, this is going to be a good movie. He, it's Downey. And everybody looked at me like, you're an idiot. And Jesse so, Buckley's in it. It's just, the trailer was really good. It, it, I think they used a great song in it, a great cover. And then the movie came out and it was so long. It was tedious. It was, it was, the CGI was bad. The gorilla's eyes were moving all the time on that ship. It was freaking <laughs> me out. And Downey Jr., this might be his worst film. And, and that's terrible because he's a great actor. And, he doesn't okay, have so, many bad ones. And I, he doesn't. I mean, real stinkers. I, I but, think he um, and his uh, wife worst, were uh, Yes, Susan and Downey. She um, produced it? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. she did, yeah. So, worst, um, I, I have to put New Mutants on the, the worst new list. That was Diet X-Men. That was just a, it was just, it, it was, why did, I mean, it tells the same kind of story with different actors. I think X-Men is running on fumes. Hopefully Marvel can give them a boost. Um, disappointed, a movie called Ava with Jessica Chastain, Colin hey. Farrell, John she's, Malkovich. She's a spy and assassin. She is. What is. What is she? The She's basically a spy, and she's very good. She's kind of like a Red Sparrow type person. She can kind of oh. infiltrate and kill a guy and is get away. Is it sexy as Red Sparrow? Straight. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I think Chastain's got a couple. Uh, I don't know. She's even with Jennifer Lawrence in the in the beauty department. But this is just a bad movie. Waste a lot of talent. John Malkovich. John, the highlight of the movie is Malkovich and Colin Farrell like beat the crap out of each other. And uh, Malkovich in an action movie. Yeah, and he actually holds his own with Farrell. He's and also another highlight. And it, it, the the plot is terrible, but Colin Farrell gets to use his accent. So the little things like that, but still disappointing. I agree with Lynn. Tenant was very disappointing. I mean, talk, there's there was no need to go to get that convoluted with that plot. Can you agree with me there? I mean, there was just no yes, need to go there. Just, I don't know why. I was trying to be with it till they started going backwards on the highway, and I was like, okay. And I and now I, I will say that people are watching it again, and they're liking it. I, I don't really want to watch it again. I mean, it was right. hard to watch for once. And I, I will say this, though. The sound was good, even if John David Washington just kind of looked confused the entire time. He was like, what am I... Yeah, he was miscast. He was. Our, pa our Pats was fine. Kenneth Branagh. Pattinson just was kind of just Pattinson. Oh, what, about, my God, what did you think about Elizabeth? She was the standout for me. She was great. I, I Wait, thought, I yeah. mean, for me, 
that and Widows, she's really kind of starting to come on because she was she was my favorite in Widows too. Not Viola Davis, not Michelle Rodriguez, always looking like she works out all the time. But Elizabeth Debicki, man, she was great. I wanted to have more time with her character and less time with Washington's character. Or Kenneth Branagh, uh, because if you have to, if you did more with the neck, you do more with. But if you did more with her, you'd have to do more with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, but maybe she can just kill him sooner, and then she gets her own spinoff. <laughs> uh, disappointed, I will say this, and this is—it's hard. I only want to mention the guy right now, the tax collector. David Ayer is one of my favorite filmmakers. He did End of Watch. He wrote Training Day, and he had this movie where Shia—I'm an idiot, LaBeouf. That's what I'm going to call him now. I'm a monster. You know, he—it's his gangland film. It's supposed to be gritty. I thought it would be a throwaway summer treat. It was terrible. <laughs> terrible that's worst and disappointing can we group them together yes because it was i mean yeah. because let me just tell you how stupid shy is he got a tattoo on his chest for his character a real tattoo Ew. so when he takes a shower now he has to go there's shit on my chest and it's called <laughs> that movie <laughs> it's, it's um cleveland that's steamer that's, that's all I got. That's all I got. I mean, I, I don't know. There's a few more. I haven't really went over my worst and disappointed, but oh, one more disappointed Wonder Woman 1984. I love the first movie, even if it had a lot of flaws. But how many close ups do we need a Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot? Is it Gadot? Gal Gadot. See, I like Gadot. I'm I like it sounds Gadot. Gadot. <laughs> But it's just a Pedro Pascal. He it's probably the worst villain of the year. Uh, way too long. Chris Pine yes. looks like he's confused. He doesn't know what he's doing there. Am I supposed to be like this comic relief? And I love Gal, but that was kind of a it, it was a letdown from the first one. It was it was more like Aquaman and not like the first Wonder Woman. I think it was so bloated and yeah, uh, bloated's a great I, word. I did give it a pass because of her. Because she is yeah, so rising on screen, but I think the villains—they got the villains wrong, and uh, just the just the it was so poorly edited, and um, edited, yeah, yeah. And, and really, and for me, it was just when they go Matrix Reloaded, and you can tell it's a video game character in the action scene. They just it loses me. That's when Matrix kind of lost me in that sequel when. Keanu Reeves was doing that sidekick with the pole and you could just like, dude, that that's Xbox. Come on now. <laughs> so that's, that's all I, I had. I looked at my screen and it's like, Oh, I got to mention that one. That's all my worst and disappointed and let down, but letdowns. Yes. I think, uh, the most comments I've received on wonder woman, 1984 is people say what a disappointment. I disappointment, think that, that's the, the biggest one. Disappointment is the biggest word. Because the first film, I think the first film had magic. I, I think in when when she steps up on that battlefield and walks towards those tr the, the, the you know the, the Germans, that was a powerful scene, and she knocks off that bullet. There was none of there, there was little of that in the sequel. I, yeah, I don't understand why they had a set in eighty four <laughs> for Chris Pine's pants. Yeah, yeah, to make wardrobe jokes, not music jokes, because they only play one song. They only play Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And in a, in a movie like The Nest that takes also place in the 80s, they, the, the 80s music is in the background. 
And so you don't know, you notice it's just there to set the mood. It's not a part of the thing. I wanted 1984 to be very eighties over the top eighties. If you're, if you're putting 84 in your title, in your title, in your title, right there, like play, play songs from 1983, 84. I mean, for me, the better DC you film of the year was Birds of Prey. Love that movie. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And and Remember, also maybe uh, want to have a breakfast uh, sandwich right after the movie. <laughs> What'd you say, Lynn? That poor girl. That poor girl never got her breakfast sandwich. Um Yeah. Lynn guess, can if we had worst, most heartbreaking scenes of the year, it's when uh Margot Robbie <laughs> The sandwich goes into the air, and then it's like a four-pound hit on the concrete. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. feed the little girl. Yeah, feed the girl. I she know. Swallowed. Then- what did she swallow again? That movie was it a diamond? Yeah, diamond. Yeah. All right. Oh Lord. Yeah. The uh, I will say that the uh, Star Trek. Remember Star Trek yep. Four, where they went back to the. That the, was beautiful. The voyage. That yeah. was so perfect because in the eighties. But you know what I'm saying? The way they did that, and I was expecting Wonder Woman to have that kind of panache to it. All right, and let's move on. Because, All right, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on, on, on right. to our honorable mentions. Oh, good. All right. Do you have Dan? Do you have oh. some honorable mentions? I I have some honorable mentions, I, and I have six this year. I, I mean, forget about five. So normal. I'm going to do six. I have six as well. Okay, and I'm just going to rattle these off. I'm not going to really go into the detail. Um, right. Maybe a line or two. Um, this first film was very hard. This was the 11th and the 10th. This was the struggle. And it was a film called The Nest. I just, I, I was. I just talked Lynn, about it. You know, Lynn, you, you, you turned me on to this movie because you mentioned it. Let me just tell you, you mentioned it nine times on that text stream. And I was like, fine, I'm watching this thing. And it was fascinating. Carrie Coon, she's in my best actress category. She's just fascinating. Jude Law, I think he's taking kind of a Hugh Grant-like turn. He's a leading man, but he's taking a lot of challenging roles. The screenplay is is my number two screenplay of the year. Um, One Night in Miami was on my honorable mentions. If it was just on the ensemble alone, this would be like the number one movie of the year. Great, uh, great ensemble. I, I I had a little problems with the story structure, but because it's fake. The, <laughs> yeah, the movie the movie was just it was fascinating though to, to see to be a fly on the wall in the room with these four icons. So that almost made the top ten. Uh, Minari is in my honorable mentions. That's how tough this this thing was. Wow. I, I liked it a lot. I will say I need to watch it again. It might climb into the top ten after a second viewing. Athlete A is in my. Honorable a documentary for Dan. It's just, I love those. I, I, I love that because it was the way they told that story and what that guy did to all those women and yeah. the ending courtroom scene where I think the lawyer just talks about the impact of sexual abuse on a woman for her whole life. It's just, it's so good. It's, it's my number one documentary of the year. Um, and then the next one's also a documentary. It's maybe next year. It's a Philadelphia Eagles documentary yeah. that i think has one of the best scores of the year by jackson greenberg it made me an eagles fan for an hour and a half and that is that no way do you it's think they got so lucky well though do you think they got lucky because they of got the timing yeah. they got no lucky. i'm talking about the filmmakers not the oh. not the eagles oh the yeah filmmakers. for sure 
Because when Carson Wentz went down, that, that was like when Trent Green went down for right. the Rams. Like, this is over. We're done. And then, hey, <laughs> backup's like, hey, I got it. But my last one is how to build a girl. I It made me a big Beanie Feldstein fan. And I think it's a very well-told, sweet little story about a, a music critic finding you know out what she wants to do with her life. And it made the best friend, Beanie, I think she's been a – a best friend in like three films, it gave her the lead for a chance. So well, you could say she was the lead in Book Smart. You could co-lead, yeah. But this was she she was she was terrific in this movie. It was it was a standout. In a lesser year, she might be on my list for best actress in a lesser year. But that's, right. those are all my mentions. Here are my honorable mentions. I have six of them. Um the assistant is oh, a, is a movie uh, you know, talking about Me Too, as you just were, uh, and sec not sexual assault. This is sexual harassment, but it's yeah. also regular harassment, and it takes place in one day. You don't learn anybody's names until the end of the movie as the credits roll. because All no these one movies with one day in one room. What is that? Ma Rainey, uh, One Night in Miami, now The Assistant. How many one night, one day movies do we have this year? Uh, she's working so hard she forgets her father's birthday. Oh, uh, that's terrible. It's just, it's just awful. Um, Freaky. Uh, Vince Vaughn. Oh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, good one. Freaky is I, I enjoyed Freaky and I enjoyed the kids. And I I am glad it is set in the uh, happy death day to you universe. Yeah. And I'm looking yeah. forward to the crossover because they said they want to do a Freaky sequel. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and Vince Vaughn. I mean, I to, can I just say good for him? Because that was, was a hard role to play. That was a hard role, but he pulled off those feminine scenes so well. I was like, that's the guy from Swingers. Yes, and he's playing. He's playing a teenage girl very well. I think Lynn just said the heck with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, let's, go ahead. Um, Beast Clawing at Straws. This is a South Korean film that won the St. Louis International Film Festival uh, oh, wow. Audience Award. It's narrative. I don't know when it's going to come out, but Beast Clawing at Straws, if you can get a hold of it, it is a whodunit. It's, Dan, I think you'd like it. It's a gangster movie. It's about... A, is it available? Do we have it yet? Do we have it? I. It's If you were... I think you... If you talk to our friends over at Sin of St. Louis, you can get it. It's a gangster film involving found bag of money. Okay, you that's know, what I'm in. You know found bag of money. That's always... basically like the that's like Tom Hardy and the drop. I'm in. Tom Hardy, okay. Or a simple bag plan. Of money. Bag all of all money. movies. Yeah. Every every movie that has a bag of money in it. So, you know something horrible and something wonderful yeah. on film is going people to happen. People are going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. And be, and you know what? That's the name of it. Beast Clawing at Straws. And yes, it is South Korean, but that's South great, Korea is having a, great, a uh, moment. That's a great title. for. I, I, I love, I, I love, here, here, here's worst title of the year, year ir Irresistible. A political <laughs> satire film with Steve Carroll, uh, or Steve Carell that I actually liked. And Rose Byrne and Chris Cooper. Film? And Why do you Matt call it Davis? irresistible? But you know that beast clawing his straws. I'm, I'm going to watch that one. And then I have here's the reason that this movie is on my honorable mentions: Mangrove, because it is part of the Small Axe series. And without putting it in my top ten, I still want to mention it. And yes, it's a movie, but it's, it's a, a TV movie. show. It, it it is a movie. It's a two hour long feature film. 
about Britain, directed by Steve McQueen. And I, Lynn, you're going to be upset. I think it's a better courtroom drama than Trial of Chicago 7. Ooh, I like it. I like it. And then I've got heat. I got two documentaries. I just finished Collective. I want to mention it. I thought I didn't like the way that they framed the ending, but it is a fascinating story about corruption and political pressure and all of those things. And everyone that says you need to see Collective, they were right. And then finally, I want to mention the Hill documentary, America's Last Little. Yeah, Joe Puglio. Yep. Great stuff. All right, Lynn, it's time for your honorable mentions. All right, but before I get started with that, I wanted to say that uh, Beast Coin at Straw- Straws is available video on demand. Okay. Really? Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm on it. Yeah, and uh, but we do have links, Dan. So if okay. you need- I can send you something, Dan. And well, uh, we- well, here, well, here's a funny story. So we know uh, Chris Clark with Cinema St. Louis. Yes, he's been he's basically baked two loaves of sourdough bread for me. So I, I, I can just <laughs> ask. I can just ask him for, by the way, I'll have a loaf of sourdough and beast clawing at straws. And he'll be happy to get it to you. Yes. Yeah, right, Lynn, out okay. of your 170 I... movies, which didn't make your top 10? Okay, <laughs> these, uh, these, I've got seven. You guys have six. That's fine. Hey, that's good. You saw Forget more movies five. than we did. Lynn, as long as you don't have five, I'm cool. Forget five. Okay. Five's overrated. Okay, well, the, the number seven is The Way Back. With Ben, yes, Ab- that's Dan. Dan's gonna have that in his top three or two, I'm guessing. I, um, it hit me hard for a number of reasons. I was very, I was very emotionally uh, um, um, affected by this film, but also I'm so happy right now. I'm just so <laughs> happy that's in your top. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm not the only one that has it on a list. No, it Dan. was on, it was on my short list, but it's not in my ten. Hey, I yeah, get it. it's um, it's so well done in terms of a, a human struggle against addiction oh. and how people um, can fall into a deep hole after a trauma. A and tragedy. Al Madrigal is really good in it. He is good, and there's a couple tough scenes. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm gonna yak about it more, so keep going, Lynn. All right, right, and it's not conventionally tied up in a bow, which I find very uh, uh, admirable. I think uh, it's it's also is parallel to Affleck's own story, and as yeah. some, and as someone whose family has been touched by substance abuse for decades, generations, um, I will say they nailed it. They pretty much nailed it. And then the assistant, because ah. it is so haunting and mesmerizing and julia garner i gotta watch this now i'm putting it on a list off of her and it's so powerful the hr she has two emmys for ozark i know she's very good as ruth uh ruth garner as ruth on ozark um her last name i was trying to think about her last name She's trying to make her way up in the film world. She's working for this Hollywood producer who you know is patterned after Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, but and you, you never you never see him. That's the and, best part. And, 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 and he's actually really good on Succession, that guy that plays that oh, role. No, no, he's not the boss. He's the HR director. Oh, okay. Keep going, Lynn. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. He's a, So you just hear him on the phone yell at her. 
And then you have everybody look at her like, oh, we're so sorry for you. But she's from an Ivy League school. She's trying to get ahead. No, she's no, 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 no. She went to Northwestern. Oh, she went, oh. To, she went to Northwestern because the other guys went to Ivy League and they're like, oh, Northwestern, that's a good school. But McFadden, <laughs> yeah. McFadden is that is going to be one of my I'm nominating that for best scene. Yeah, me too. With oh, Garner and McFadden. Best scene. That HR scene. That HR scene is so, oh, but just the casual way that she is dismissed by the guys in the office and she has to go get them lunch and the one bitches about his sandwich. I wanted it's turkey. Just, it's just that, it's that whole attitude of office politics and getting ahead and the cutthroat Hollywood stuff. It's just so brilliantly confined in a one day. I loved it. And then yeah, I, I think it was at the Tivoli, to- and, and, and I was kind of mad I missed it. I think there was one of those 11 a.m. screenings for it, and it, it was there for a month or two. I, yeah, it came out wife, in January. Yeah, we, we were going to watch it, and then we chose this little film called Parasite instead. So, <laughs> Well, it's it's only 87 minutes. It's really tight. Oh, it's, it's really good. good. See, I really have. If, if a movie can be great in 87 minutes, imagine – See, that's something that Christopher Nolan can never do. He can never make a great 87-minute movie. Or uh, no. or Judd Apatow. Uh, my review... <laughs> Funny people. Uh, uh, February 21st. So, okay. yeah. And I watched it on a screening link. Anyway, I'm moving to comedy now. On the Rocks. On the Rocks, I Apple just Plus. love the relationship between Bill... Peter Jones, and uh, it's Great a lightweight movie. film, but so Coppola just imbued it with a lightness and a breeziness, and I just enjoyed the whole thing. So those of you who couldn't hear on the um, recording, Lynn said On the Rocks with Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, and Sofia Coppola. Because, Lynn, you froze up during right. that. Darn Bill Murray. See, that's oh, what happens when, whenever, okay. you, whenever you mention Bill Murray – uh, a Cubs fan, the thing's going to just go, Duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, He's in my best supporting my, actor, by uh, the way. He is, he's, he does everything in that movie, Lynn. He, in one scene, he's singing. In one scene, he's going into a restaurant like he's Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. In another scene, he's popping out of cars. He's so charismatic in that movie. You, oh, he I know does. your father. He's so slick. He's just, he's so full of crap, but then he's charming, and he has all these stories. He has all these wise stories about women. This yeah. age. and it's just a hoot the way he delivers it. My next comedy is the most original film of the year, uh, even though it, it it tends to go into ground Groundhog Day territory. Is Palm Springs. I found this so charming. Samberg, who would think he would be body is great. J. J. K. Simmons is a yeah, hoot. he's great. The whole uh, cast is so unexpected, even though it is that same territory. It's just a little raunchier. It is very raunchy. It is. That's why I love it. That's why I'm going to and, talk about it later. And 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 the best thing about it is, and it's in, it's in my top ten as well. It just it, it brings multiple people into that Groundhog Day scenario. In most films, it's one person or two people, and this and it's multiple people, so they all get trapped. And I I, I love the part with J.K. Simmons talking about 
you know, not being able to, you know, watch his kids grow up. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just a, but no, well, it's, and, it, and, well, we'll, we'll talk then, about it when I talk, we'll talk about, about it, it later. And then, what else and you got, Lynn? The whole, um, the whole wedding, the whole, you know, cause weddings are, you know, wedding receptions. Right. And so to keep, you know, wedding reception is really a clever conceit. Yes. And then my third one, Sound of Metal. Uh, this is a brilliantly uh, crafted film in terms of the sound technique. It should win all the awards for yes, sound. Yes, it should. But Rick Ahmed is so good as a heavy metal drummer or punk drummer going deaf. But the true gem here is Paul Racy as... Mm-hmm. What is he like? He's the teacher. He's, he's kind of a he's kind of like the head of this deaf community like outreach. But it's a deaf and addiction community. You're right. Deaf addiction. Yeah, because, because Riz Ahmed's wanted, character has both. He, he, he suffers he has, from addiction and he's, he's an addict. Loss. And so he so when they set him up to do uh, his learning about being deaf, they want to set him up in something that's also for addicts because a lot of people that when they find out they're deaf, they first turn to self-medication. Yeah, and because so, they've, they've kind of, well, think about it. You've lost everything. a very, very important thing. It's almost like losing a loved one, losing the ability to hear. I mean, you can't hear music anymore. You can't, you can't experience things. So I, I just think, it, yeah, it, it handled that stuff great. Keep going, Lynn. Okay, and my number two uh, on the honorable mention is The Nest. Ah. And uh, for, it starts as you think it's going to be a thriller. Yeah, yeah it's listed too. on Wikipedia as a thriller. And I said, this is not a thriller. And then it, uh, it goes into, it's very humdrum in the beginning because I thought, well, but it sets it up as this ordinary family who is anything but ordinary. And there's layers upon layers. And as as you become to find out that Jude Law isn't all that. And by the way, he is back. This he hasn't been this good in a yeah. long time. Well, and he's, he's been doing TV stuff favorites. and he's been very good as the Pope. Yeah. And, and he's also that can I just say he's one of the best interview givers? He he's so funny. Yes. Yes. He is very charm. He's just a char- I've said charm tonight, uh, today about 10 times. And then my my just missing the cut was I'm thinking of ending things because this is a movie that gets in your head and you have to see it again. And when you hear, I, I was a part of a Q&A with Jesse Buckley and Charlie Kaufman and I wanted to immediately watch it again because they gave so many clues away. It changes and morphs and that dinner scene, which is one of my top scenes, is with Tony Collette and David Tulis is just amazing. And he's, so he's kind of, I think that's a guy that kind of, if he got in my Uber, I'd be a little scared. Dave, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is something about him. Just the way he kind of looks like a, like a little bit of a messed up, like Ray Fines. He's just a little scary. He's just, he, I'm not sure. I, I tell him to get out. All right, let's do round Robin with our top 10. I will go first and then Dan and then Lynn. My number 10 is the last movie I saw in a theater, the hunt. I, you know, everyone that said that they weren't going to see this movie because it uh, upset Republicans, it, Betty Gilpin is a Republican. 
And so uh, she's awesome in that movie. She's too. great in that movie. And it's not it's nothing that you expect. Everyone's like, oh, it's all about hunting humans. And oh, it's the left and the right. Oh, no, it's they more, were about yeah. everything. And Ike Barinholtz and you the first 10 minutes of the movie is superb because it you it twists and it turns and you don't know who the star of the movie yeah. is. Yeah. And also that truck, that little drugstore scene, that's a candidate for best scene of the year. That's a. That's a startling scene. That, that's where the movie really just kind of jolts me. And e- Hillary Swank is an amazing <laughs> villain, even though she she's doesn't good. come into the last quarter of the film. Yeah. Even though she's been a part of the film and you hear her voice throughout the film. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's Hillary Swank. And a lot of people have been crapping on Hillary Swank for the year she's had. But if they forget, well, technically, this movie was supposed to come out last year and then it got it pushed off out, yeah. with no one seeing it. And it's just upsetting. And Ethan Supley from My Name is Earl is fantastic. His line, we're going to get on Hannity. That is a great line. And <laughs> I was so impressed with what this movie was not. All right. Dan, and, they also, and, and, and they also blew up the pretty boy from this is us that's <laughs> uh, my number 10 is palm springs i again i think what the movie did as well it blended comedy and drama it, it, it got deep and it stayed funny it didn't get too heavy it didn't get too too uh slapstick kind of jokes it was very well written I, i'm i wasn't an andy sandberg fan before the film but i was after he, he just it just worked for him. Even the dance scene where he's walking around, he knows what everybody's going to do. So he's just dancing behind the line. He's hitting the guy's shoulder, knocking him down and um, stealing drinks. Kristen um, Malati. Yeah. Well, well, Kristen Malati. Kristen Malati. She's great. I think she's kind of like a little bit more tortured and depressed. Zoe Deschanel. She's the mother she, from How I Met Your Mother. She's good. She has like a really she's got one of those Clive Owen stares. You ever watch an early Clive Owen movie when he, when he just has that look that just it, it just confounds you. But the movie was well put together. I really and I I said this. It's the most rewatchable of my top 10. All right, Lynn, what's your number 10? My number 10 is The Vast of Nights. It is a charming indie that, uh, there I go again with the charm. Um, it is uh, like a Lean Twilight Zone episode. It. Forget it. The 50s. And it is uh, a small town in New Mexico. Everybody is gathered for the big basketball game in the gym. They set it up as this community. And then people start seeing things in the sky. What are those? <laughs> and you have to mention so the, the radio the DJ. Radio, yeah, the young hotshot radio DJ uh, joined forces with the only uh, with a young switchboard operator in town, and they're trying to find out what these sounds are and if aliens are really landing. And it becomes this night of trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And I just bought into this so well. The uh, the cinematography, the production design, the costume design is really super low budget. And it uh, it was at a film festival. I'm not sure if it was Toronto or what, but then Amazon bought it. So it's available on Amazon. But everybody went crazy because this director, you're going to remember this guy's name because he's going places. His name is 
Andrew Patterson. And there's this, it's only 89 minutes. It's, it made me realize that. There's a detour in the middle where they talk about race and government and it, and it's all on a phone call and it's just very, it's very well done to weave that into a science fiction to movie. Not, to not beat you over the head with it too. I didn't love it, but it was the, the, the way the cinematography is, is very, very well done. I mean, they really, they really transported you in that movie to that time period. Well, my number nine is. Oh yeah. What? Oh, go ahead, Lynn. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say it made me believe in the thrilling possibilities of movies. I just, it was one of those where you're just so excited that somebody took an old genre and, and freshened it up like they did. And my favorite line is, will good people go bad and smart people go mad? <laughs> That's a good line. It's a good one. It's a good question, too. It's, and, and all these decades later, you can still ask it. My number nine is a movie that you both have already talked about, Palm Springs, for all the reasons that you mentioned. But I love that, one, it's raunchy. Two, it's something we've seen before but has taken a new twist on it. And three, it cares but doesn't care about the science. You know, because once you start thinking about it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's good you they, had it. Yeah. But they, they address that because, you know, Andy Sambers, he's just sitting there drinking. He's like, I've, I've, I've tried to work through this already. And then yeah. Kristen Milotti, she actually goes and sciences the hell out of it and makes it into something that is plausible and understandable, it except does, yeah. for where the goat is. <laughs> because right, you know, right at that entry point, that's the idea is that you walk. It's not when you like walk into the cave. It's when you walk into the all cave. the way. In. Don't follow I, me. in. I, I just like where he goes. He goes, come on. We could just go have a beer. Ah, uh, suit yourself. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you may die, but you still feel pain. There's nothing like yes. dying slowly in the ICU. <laughs> All right. So, Dan, what's your number nine? Number nine, promising young woman. I mean, and again, for my list, when 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 I when I put it up on on the on the news website, really for me, number one is number one, and number the rest of the nine are just kind of in any certain kind of order. But this movie. This is the ending of the year. I mean, I've never been more blown away because when you go into this movie, they've marketed it as a revenge film. It's not really about revenge. It's so much more than that. It's about, it's about justification or the lack thereof by men who abuse women decades after the fact. It's about, it's about Carrie Mulligan, who has two performances this year that I think are going to be award-worthy. And, and Glenn, you mentioned this to me. They go against type in the casting of all the supporting, all, all the men parts. All they the put nice these guys. nice guys. They put nice guys in there. The guy from New Girl, who has never played a scumbag, he is the ultimate scumbag. And he wants to get rid of bodies. <laughs> I mean, Emerald Vanell, is that how you say her name? Emerald Vanell? She's Vanell. She, it's it, yeah. it's Fennel. fascinating. I, I mean, she I mean, she is, is in Fennel. Fennel? Fennel. Fennel. Like the, like, like the, like the, 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 the spice, the herb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're really good in chicken and this movie's really good too. No, uh, but the movie, it's a knockout. I mean, you, you think you know where it's going, but you have no idea. And that final scene, it plays so well and it's not even over the top and it's going to make you talk about it for a long time. A lot of conversation. I will be talking about this movie in a little while. Lynn, are you, and I bet you'll be talking about this movie in a little while. What's your number nine? Well, my number nine is Hamilton. 
I know this is controversial because people think it's just a filming of the stage musical, but it's so much more. First of all, this was a cultural phenomenon and it was a game changer. And as a movie, it met its moment because it opened it up to a huge audience who could never afford those tickets on Broadway or even trying to get the lottery. And it wasn't just a filmed play. They had cameras. They, they filmed it before a live audience, yes. But then they had a day where they filmed, like they had like dolly shots and scenes and, and close-ups. The, it, what it lacks in the energy of live theater, it makes up for the emotions in the close-ups. I'll and be talking think, about this film later also. <laughs> I think it's a vibrant experience. Uh, Michelle Obama said it was the greatest piece of art she'd ever seen. And I tend to agree with it. And I just think the impact that it continues to have on our culture, on politics and education. It and it just transported us and the audience to one of the great works of art of all time. Dan, what is your number there eight? You My number eight is Sound of Metal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I watched this movie, and Lynn, we talked about it a lot this year, the unsaid beauty in a lot of these movies that I watched this year. This movie has a lot of that. Um, it, it, the screenplay is very nuanced. Riz Ahmed, who I think was fantastic in the HBO series The Night Of and several films, he's a knockout here. I mean, he is currently fighting for jostling for number two or number one of my best actor, just because he really brings you into this guy's struggle, not just in losing his hearing, but he's, his life is kind of crumbling. His, his, his girlfriend's going to go back home. He has to go stay in this place where he doesn't want to accept his new life. And the whole movie's just, I mean, and the sound design, it's the epitome of innovation. If you're trying to do sound in a movie to make people understand what it's like to be deaf to understand that 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 disconnect it was just it was again i'm going to use it you're saying charming lynn i'm saying fascinating a lot the way that that sound design was worked into that movie it, 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 it was seamless my number eight is a movie that you can watch on disney plus right now the personal history of david copperfield yeah. directed by armando Inanucci from veep and he made a retelling of a classic story, modern, even though it doesn't take place in modern times. He updated it. And, you know, people think David Copperfield is a magician. No, no, it's Charles Dickens. And this brings David Copperfield to a brand new mess. The, the last time they did a David Copperfield uh, teleplay or a movie or anything was more than 50 years ago. I am glad that they brought this back. And I enjoyed it very much. And uh, Dev Patel is an amazing David Copperfield. And he's he's a, just a, a phenomenal actor. I mean, he's done so many. I mean, remember last year, Hotel Mumbai, mm -hmm. movie that was just wasn't talked about. He was just fan. He, he was great in that. Ben Ben, uh, ben Wishaw and Hugh Laurie and Peter Capaldi and uh, Morfoid Clark, Daisy May Cooper. The whole film. And everyone in it, they're doing what they need to do. And it is really well done. I It doesn't feel like homework. 
if you're watching a Dickens movie? No. Lynn, number eight. Lynn? Number eight is never, rarely, always. Good movie. This is such a haunting and powerful film. It's it's deceptive in how it sneaks up on you. I've said that a couple times this year. But it's a a girl who uh, has an unwanted unplanned pregnancy and she and they never tell you how she baby. got it no but i don't you can kind of figure out i was always going to ask if who you think it is because i think it's one of two people but i'm pretty sure it's the really bad one <laughs> well yeah you, anyway, you but you don't know um, there's that ambiguity and you know what people are going to call this an abortion film i would change that a little bit it's a lack of health care film it could because if if someone's going to be upset about abortion and stuff, you can say that it is a lack of health care because her health options are not necessarily what yeah. she needs. I mean, they're very limited. I mean, th- that's the biggest yeah. tragedy of the situation. Yeah, she's a she's a checker. She's a clerk at this like Dollar General type store. And uh, it, she and her best friend, who's also her cousin, they're blue car girls from this dead end town. And so they have to travel to New York to get the abortion. And um, it is it's about despair and and your your choices in life and how limited they are. Directed by Eliza Hitman. The star here is Sydney Flanagan. She has those eyes that are just yeah, very haunting so haunting. The, the sweet spot is this is the talent in this and then how uh, the story unfolds. Autumn is her character's name and she represents a lot of young girls in this country. And, and, as, and towards and- the end Yeah, when when they're going back on the Greyhound bus, I just wanted to scream, "Run, run like the wind! Get out of that town! Just, just yeah, you know, get out of New York City." So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it it, 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 <laughs> yeah. it really makes a lot of it relatable. I mean, I, I think that I mean I, this is a movie that even a men a man can watch and understand. Like, this is what it's like. I mean, and the options that they present to young women and they, and, the cho- and the and the choices they make. They forced them to make. I mean, it's just, yeah, this this movie was was brutally honest about that. Dan, what is your it number was, eight? Velvet hand. Oh, I'm sorry. Dan, what's your number seven? No. My number seven is going to be on no other list ever. Oh, no. Jim, so keep going. Dan, uh, Lynn, you're cutting out. Oh, okay. I just was going to say that I called it a velvet hammer, but it is brutally honest, like you said, and I'm done. Okay. Number seven, Dan. Not on anyone else's list. (laughs) It is called uh, Synchronic. This was a movie that came out in Anthony Mackie. November. Uh, Yeah. And and Justin Benson, they're co-directors and writers. Uh, Justin Benson and and Aaron, who has a name, a last name that's going to get him in a lot of jokes. Aaron Moorhead. Yeah. Okay. If you've ever heard a Saturday Night Live comedy bit, you'll understand what I'm saying. But Anthony Mackie, I think, is one of the most underrated like thinking man action hero like, like kind of actors he's he's so good in this jamie dornan who i think deserves a pass for 50 shades of gray <laughs> one of the worst screenplays of all time he is very good here they are new orleans pandemic uh paramedics and they 
and you don't know what the film's about for at least a good half hour. You don't. And you, um, you know, they, they run into this powerful drug that's called synchronic that's on the street. It allows you to revisit history for seven minutes, but there's a lot of, there's a, there's some, there's some, uh, potential bad things that are going to happen if you mess around too much in the past and something happens to one of their, uh, their kids and, they have to go on a rescue mission. I, I just thought the way that these two directors, it was a very inventive and emotionally hard-hitting sci-fi movie. I, I don't go to that the sci-fi for too much for hard-hitting and very always inventive, but they really play with time travel, kind of like Palm Springs. They kind of present something that looks familiar and they throw their own twist on it. So if you want something different, I think this is the movie about time that Christopher Nolan wanted to make with Tenet. This one nailed it. Christopher did. My number seven of the year is something that we actually all saw in theaters at the beginning of the year. Guy Ritchie is back, baby. The gentleman. Yes, the gentleman. That's the gentleman degree. is Guy Ritchie at his best. The cast is amazing. Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, Henry Golding, Michelle Dockery, Jeremy Strong, Colin Farrell, Hugh Grant, Eddie Martin, uh, Marson. I loved what it was a fun time, fun time watching the gentleman. I just, I just loved all that non-direct sexual tension between Hugh Grant and Charlie Hunnam when he's (laughs) making him like the food. But I, I I so agree with you. This was, this was like a snatch sequel. It was fun. It was just so much fun. And Charlie Hunnam, Finally, let the guy use his native tongue. I mean, and and how about can I do the can I do my, my McConaughey impersonation? Sure. Yeah. And this lion is coming home to eat. Sorry, it's <laughs> such a good scene. I love and it. it. Even 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 when they fake you out for a little while, they you're do. still they you're you still out. you're still invested in what happens. And, and the fascinating thing is this: he tells and one, one drug lord tells another. He says. My drug doesn't kill people. Your drug kills families. I mean, well, what, what a great thing to make the, the guy a marijuana mm-hmm. empire instead of just, oh, heroin or cocaine. It was a good, I think it was a good screenplay. I have by Guy Ritchie. I, uh, for our uh, St. Louis film critics voting, I have it in my top five action movies and I have it in for editing. And I also, uh, that's um, a good one. I, on my personal list, a Colin Farrell is just such a hoot. He's yeah. so good. He got, oh my God. But that ensemble, if we had an award for ensemble, because I have my own awards and I have it. I, that's I would, one of the I, ensembles. I'd still give it to One Night in Miami. We should we should try to like talk about that, putting that into our thing. Is that possible to put best ensemble? Can we add that or is that like well we uh, can mention it at our annual meeting. Lynn, uh-huh. what is your number seven? My number seven is Collective. It is a Romanian documentary. It's a timely thriller about truth, accountability, and the value of an independent press in partisan times. And, and the access I they had was amazing. It. I still have to watch oh. it. This is number, this is next on my list to watch. This is a it's now available video on demand. It uh, follows journalists 
and uh, they uncover shocking widespread corruption in the health industry. And then there's a much larger scandal. Political scandal. And it's, oh, it's told so well. And uh, I just think it's fascinating. Plus, as you know, uh, my given my profession, yeah. I'm a big champion of investigative journalism. And also, so- Lynn, Spotlight is still on Netflix. Great not like same topic, but investigative journalism. I, I'm with you. I, I love those. Kind, I love the post. I loved all those kind of investigative things. Yeah, because it just spotlights that the press is not the enemy of the people. All right, Dan, let's move into number six for you. All right. Hold on. Let me go back to my list. Uh, it is trial. The Chicago, the trial, the Chicago seven Aaron Zorkin. Look, when he writes and directs, it, it's, it's kind of like a knockout every time. I, I said it the other day, I could fill out my whole Best Supporting Actor list with just this cast. Mark Rylance, Frank Langella. Uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, even Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Michael Keaton has a great little role in this film. Uh, Why didn't you Club, talk Aaron to me? Cohen. What? Why didn't you call me earlier? <laughs> yeah. He's just, you know, that's another guy that's having a great career kick since Birdman. Where he just he, he's playing all these different characters, but Sasha Baron Cohen talk about a guy who can do two different things. He may be nominated for this movie, and then he has Borat too. It just tells you when you get this kind of talent into a movie, it's just it's you can't lose. It's like you stack the deck. So from the writing, I've always thought that the way he writes, it's like if David Mamet had a GPS. It's it's very direct. It's rapid fire. And I think some actors can't do it. That's what I've heard. I mean, Aaron Zorkin, he writes like he writes intelligently. I mean, Molly's game is just fantastic. But this movie tops that great cast. That's my number six, I think. Number six. Yes. You're number six. And my number six is based on a book. It's a Netflix film starring Millie Bobby Brown, Sam Claflin, Henry Cavill, Helena Bonham Carter. It is Enola Holmes. And oh, wait a minute. Can, can I do this? The, 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 the Henry Cavill Sherlock Holmes. He looks. He, he, uh, he, so <laughs> he was. I, hey, but wait you know what? Holmes. Uh, let's see if I can do the Cavill. No, I can't do it. He's man. got he's, he's got the muscles to do it. He He's Superman, damn it. Enola he Holmes is. is so fun. I hope that they keep making these movies. I want to see a sequel to this one. I want because it's a book series. And yeah, Netflix and, will do it. And, do it. and Ola Holmes, she don't need no man. She's, you know, still too young. It's Sherlock Holmes' younger sister who is just as smart as they are. And Mycroft Holmes, oh, you never see, you never see Sam Claflin play like a bad guy. But he's not, Mycroft, his Mycroft Holmes is not necessarily he did play one in, the bad guy. He, he played the Nightingale, a very, very brutalistic revenge film. He's kind of playing these little sniveling little bad guys more and more often. But he he's not a Mycroft Holmes is not a bad person. He's not, he's, no, he's, he's not. Just he's just a he's just a not a nice person. And what he he's does just to a her mean person. This, yeah, in this whole movie. Uh I I really enjoyed it. And this is a movie that the entire family can watch yeah. together because it's it's a fun little Netflix movie. And this is also proves that Millie Bobby Brown is a lot bigger than stranger things ladies right. and gentlemen she can act and, and you know what she produced this movie she and her parents 
uh, went out and found this and bought the rights so that, you know, she could control her own destiny. And I applaud that also. I just think if there's a multiverse of Sherlock Holmes, can we get Cavill, Downey, and Cumberbatch? Cavill's like this, I'll break down the door. And Downey's like, I'm going to think of a, of a stupid riddle. And then Cumberbatch goes, I know magic. Wait a minute, no, I don't. No, wrong movie. <laughs> Dan, what is your number That's six? So funny. I know. My number I'm, six I'm, is. The, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. The, the no, that's okay. The Pixar instant classic Soul. Oh, that's a good. This one. movie is profound. I've watched it three times now. Wow. Me twice. And it, but people said it doesn't affect you as a tearjerker like Coco did, and I will say no. But it has that ability. It has awe and wonder. And it has that ability that if you want to start crying, you will, and yeah. you won't. Oh yeah, you me. will. You know, you because, could just because be, you could I, weep, I cry. But yeah, it's so, so so clever. The writing by Pete Doctor and uh, Mike Jones and Kemp Powers. Kemp Powers, it, who wrote One Night in Miami, and also right. the music. The music is fantastic. Jazz music. Oh, it's so jazzy. John Baptiste is all over this. John Baptiste, along with Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. (laughs) Nine inch. It's the score of the year. And the back and forth, the innovation of this animation when they get to the great four is really remarkable. It's it's really it's really good. And 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 I gotta say, there's a moment in, in that film where all the clicks for him and that that's where I got really emotional. I mean, and, and I watched, here's what I do, Carl and Lynn. I, I watch a scene like six times in a row. Sometimes if it's like the ending of a movie and it really hits hard is when it finally clicks for him. It's, it's like, you know, he found the purpose and, and, and I just think the way they didn't, the way that I had to watch that twice, Lynn, you watched it three times the way they, they don't beat you over the head right away with that. You have to find it like he does. So good yes. pick. I right. will be talking about that in a little while. Dan, what is your number five? five. Is, uh, no, Nomadland. Um, this movie, I watched it twice. And I think it's one of the most easygoing films of the year. I mean, you just you follow Fern around on her journey and it makes you kind of want to get in a, a truck or an RV and just kind of go live off the land just for a little bit, because uh, and of course, the supporting role is by a Swanky, who is in my best supporting actress category. It, everything seemed very real here. It's a movie, but the way they use the non actors and Frances McDormand, I mean, can she just, I mean, is, is she ever going to get done and impressing us? I mean, I think she's like the, like Meryl Streep in a way. She just keeps learning new curveballs. You know, she plays this woman who's had everything taken from her, her town, her husband, everything, every state of being. And then she learns a new life and knows she does not run into bearded Chris Evans, Captain America out there. That would have been cool. But if Chloe Zhao, she's going to direct the Eternals. I am now more pumped for that movie after watching this, which probably cost what they spent on Captain America's suit. Um, (laughs) It's a movie I think everybody should watch, and it's very good for 
leaving 2020 and going into 2021 because it teaches you how to live. I agree. And I'll be talking about nomad land very shortly. But my number five is one that Dan mentioned as his number 11, Minari. Minari is an American story told in Korean. It is a true American story. And people are going to fight whether this is an American movie, which it is, or a foreign film, which it is. It is both. And Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead, he, the impressive thing about him in Minari is that he speaks English perfectly, but his broken English is fantastic. He, you, he's, you know, he's speaking in Korean and he's speaking in English, but his English, and if you've heard him speak, like if you're watching The Walking Dead, you know that he speaks perfect English. He speaks his perfect broken English, English yeah. His broken English is impeccable. And then the kids, the woman that the plays grandma. his wife. But uh, yes, and then you got to talk about Soon Ya. Yoon Yu Young, she is going to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Me she, too, yeah. And you don't want to like her at first, and just you're just like the kids in the movie. You don't like grandma, and then she grows on you. You know, she teaches them how to play cards. And she likes wrestling. I love the fact that she's watching wrestling. She's like, oh, ah. it's just so good. It, it's good. Lynn, what's your number five? My number five is Promising Young Woman. It is toxic masculinity in the Me Too era, but the genius of Emerald Fennel's script is she wanted to show how casual people take this, like, oh, we were kids. Oh, let boys be boys. Oh, we yeah, were yeah. Excuses, excuses. It, it, just, it just makes people accountable for those kind of things that we tend to write off. Like it's, to me, it's like the fictional version of that documentary, The Hunting Ground, where all these girls on campuses that had high profile athletics, they were date raped or they were raped at a party and the jocks got off because they're too important to the school's fundraising machine and stuff. And uh, it's about you cut out Lynn repeat that please attitudes when um, attitudes men have about women in certain contexts like they were blaming the girl too like well she was partying and she's got a reputation and, and yeah. it's what what you don't find out first is it's not Carrie Mulligan who was wronged it was her roommate and best friend since childhood who's not it's, even in the movie it's it, it's the perfect slow burn screenplay where they just they, they don't tell you everything at first but you're trying to use your revenge brain your, your revenge film brain and go okay so she was no she wasn't abused uh okay it's, I, I like the way yeah it kept in and also if i can say they cast a lot of actors in roles that you wouldn't think they were molly shannon's not playing a manic, a manic kind of woman um yeah, she's a mom Brown, jennifer coolidge Great, great choice. It's a, it's, it's a great film. All right, Dan, what is your number four? And, and there's so many. Oh, keep well, going. No, no, finish well, up. Lynn, we'll talk, gonna... we'll talk about it a little more in a little there's bit. So many good things <laughs> like the, 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 the parents' house. And uh, there's so many things to place. Now, this Emerald Fennel, this is her first script, and this is her first director of David Oh, wow, script. I didn't know that. It's her first film. Dave 
Yeah, this is she her. was a TV show runner. She ran uh, the second season of Killing Eve. And she still oh, is. Yeah. She still is on that. And she played Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown. Really? So she's like a multitasking little you know performer here. Yep. Yeah. And and uh, what she is in this movie as the makeup tutorial. And she was really hoping that underneath her Camilla Parker Bowles uh, a line in IMDb would have her makeup tutorials name, which I can't say. <laughs> or I could say, I guess. Yeah. Nah, she just kind of goes like this. like the I, I like it was like Joker-esque. She just kind of went like, yeah. 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 And just, just the way they play with everything in this movie. The soundtrack, play- too. Soundtrack. Oh, yep. Number one getting my vote okay, talk about um, this talk about this they made britney spears and paris hilton very relevant again <laughs> they did they okay did. what's what's your uh, fi- dan, uh what's your dan four? what's number four um another hat tip to lynn who turned me on to this movie the climb i just i i didn't laugh at a movie more than this and it's a very serious movie about friendship and how what can i, I like movies that play with what can tear down a friendship or is it a friendship truly indestructible? It's uh, Michael Angelo Covino, who was great in uh, news of the world. He had a nice little supporting role and Kyle Marvin, they're real life best friends. And they kind of put their lives on screen. Uh, and he directed bachelor, it. Mike, Michael bachelor, Angelo co- directed it. I just, the first few minutes of the film, which was a, a 2017 short, he just casually tells his friend, uh, uh, I slept with your, your fiance. What? And he starts to pedal after him. And then uh, Covino gets into a fight. And then they have a fight on top of a, a very thin piece of ice when they're, when they're ice fishing. And there's the bachelor party kidnapping. <laughs> I just think it's just, it's a, it's a very funny film, but it, it doesn't, it, it's original humor. Because it's something we can all relate to. We all have that best friend that we shouldn't really you shouldn't still have this 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 asshole in your life, but there he is because you love him. Because the best friendships, and I'm going to borrow a line from Peanut Butter Falcon, you know, friends friends are the family you choose. Yep. And I think for better or worse, these two guys. And another scene is where he cannot park this moving truck. It just keeps pulling up in front of this house and pulling away. I've never laughed so hard, and I kept laughing over and over again. So. Very unexpected. The most unexpected movie on my list of the year is probably the maybe second to synchronic is the climb. My number four have- movie. Oh, go ahead, Lynn. Uh, what do you want to say about the climb? I just wanted to say they have some of the best throwaway lines you've ever <laughs> heard. And really, and I'll say this they're just in the end, talking, yeah, I mean, and they're hilarious. Yeah. And in the film, in the end of the film, it's a very emotional scene with one of the characters' sons and how they connect and how, what are they doing? They're all on a bike. So I, I appreciate the fact that, again, they blended drama and comedy really well. My number four is a movie that we just talked about. It is Disney Pixar's Soul. Pete Doctor, Mike Jones, and Kemp Powers wrote a script that takes you places. It takes you at the beginning of the film, then it takes you somewhere that you don't know where you're going, and then it takes you somewhere where you think you're going to go, but no, they've tricked you. 
you're going somewhere else and then where it leads you the, to the most logical conclusion and then it's still open-ended i love the script for this and the way they put it on i i guess on computers but they did this and they knew every step of the way that they wanted to take you and it was fantastic it was <laughs> they uh, and the counselor jerry i still want to know what that's about jerry but that was every, hilarious every counselor's named jerry i know they have they have such such cute little the the little souls if you have you have to stay to watch the credits yeah they're bouncing you do, around. You First do. Of all, and, the and again just the, the the animation was just so fantastic pixar and oh, and it's, it's three different types of animation there's real world the before life and then the experimental animation that my daughter loved she loved the experimental animation when you're between worlds and it's something pixar had never done even showing you know 25 years into this they're still creating new ground they really are well all the little at the uh during the credits they're all playing these games and yep. it's so funny and these are the the uh uh in this great before these are the personalities that are being formed to go to earth to inhabit bodies and they're just so they're cute and funny i don't think this is a picture for younger kids but i Probably think no. older kids will enjoy level lynn what is your number four movie my number four movie is minari Yay. and this movie is gentle it's not big bombastic but it's so beautifully crafted it is the semi-autograph autobiography of the director lee isaac chung he really did have his his father really did plop them in the middle of nowhere in arkansas to start a farm he thought mountain dew was healthy for the kids so Ooh, they're drinking some of that, Mountain Dew. I want some of that, what, and that really bubble water. And, they, <laughs> and then he really did have uh, his father. Really did have a friend that was the Pentecostal guy played by Will Patton. Will Patton that's fantastic in this. He is. He is. I tell you what. That's a that's a best supporting actor contender because he's a guy that's done so much, and he just. When he's carrying that cross up that road, and the kids are making just, fun of him. He's just, but he's not the way that his character doesn't really lash out. I like that he had that internal calm for a guy like him who's kind of a little bit, you know, he's a little bit out there in the head, but he's he, he's compassionate. Absolutely, Dan. Let's but move I into our top. Like oh, go ahead. Oh, finish uh, up. Finish up. Well, here I. What I liked about the film was it wasn't like, oh, foreigners are in the middle of our, you know, world. Yeah. They were they were treated very warmly. But they I, were, yeah. No, I was just gonna say about the little kid that that does the, the, the sleep. Yeah, it's great. That it, the family was yeah. welcomed by the church community in this moment. They weren't they weren't like uh treated badly. They were treated very warmly. And then the friendships that the little kids formed. All right, Dan, move into your number three. Number three is The Five Bloods. It's a, I mean, I, I've watched this film twice. It's a very, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very hard hitting movie about Vietnam veterans going back to the scene of, of the, of the tragic crime 
of um, and possibly buried treasure. I like the way that this movie gave normal supporting actors like Delroy Lindo and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and Clark Peters. It made them the lead actors. That was the best thing. It's like taking the best parts of The Wire and then mixing them with Delroy Lindo, who I think is my number one best actor of the year. His performance is just it's just it's it's so affecting and it's and a so surprising personal. performance and the and character is surprising as well and it's also just got yeah because I, I like the way that he wasn't painted as a a noble veteran no the war is kind of chewed this guy up and spit him out and and it, it's a it's a role that evolves i felt like it was almost like i'm going to use this very old description about right when you, you you think you peel the onion all the way there's another layer and maybe it's not a, a good layer it's a bad one so Spike Lee, right when you think he's done impressing us and Black Klansman and one of my most underrated movies of his arsenal is 25th Hour, which I just think is, is fantastic. But this movie came out a little while ago, but you know, good to revisit it because it's, it's in all my top categories, director, screenplay, um, supporting and lead actor. My number three movie is a movie that Lynn mentioned already, Hamilton for one reason alone, the fact that they shot it over the course of a weekend and they shot, they have not come out and said this, but I'm guessing that they shot it one day without an audience to get all of those close-ups. Because when you see King George spitting as he's singing his song about the United States, it is fantastic. And it makes something that, you know, if you were sitting in the back row at Hamilton, either on the road or on Broadway, you didn't get that. You got, you felt that, but now you actually get to see it. And what they did, this movie should be eligible for everything. And I don't know why there is things keeping it back. Yes, people don't like joy, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, let's see if we can hear your number three movie. Okay. My number three movie is Divide Bloods which Dan mentioned, and I think it's Spike Lee's most complete film. I know everybody points to do the right thing, but I think the way he's matured as a screenwriter, this is a wonderful script to the bond between these five guys that were in Vietnam and they go back. And what's interesting is how Vietnam is today versus then. Chadwick Boseman was their leader and he was- yeah, and they're going back to get his body, but also find this buried treasure. And Chadwick Boseman is a very brief role, but it's a very pivotal in integral role. He's a catalyst. And, and he really look, is. He's a catalyst. Yeah. That look he gives Delroy Lindo in that flashback just will break your heart. It just it will. Yeah. Oh my God. It's brilliant. And then he, this movie came out in June on Netflix. June. Wow. And then he died end of August. In August, so yeah. It takes, it takes on new meaning. But Jonathan Majors as Delroy Lindo's son, I agree. Delroy Lindo, as soon as I said, I said, well, he will get nominated. Yeah. And the sounds, which I think is a genius too. But the cinematography. Yeah, it's very well shot. Is, and that landmine scene is on my top five. Yeah, that so, landmine, that's so tough. Oh. Well, yeah, also, I, I Norm oh, Lewis. Go ahead. go ahead. Dan, go ahead. 
No, but when when he maybe that's the scene you're talking about where Chadwick Boseman almost kind of forgives him. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's just where he just kind of goes, "I I got you, blood." I mean, it's just it's so. I mean, that's if you if people don't think Chadwick Boseman was a great actor, they they're, they're, I agree with you. They need to watch that scene because he's barely in the film, but he hangs over it. He's like Olivia Cook in Sound of Metal. She's not really in it a lot. But she hangs over the story. I mean, he's just always there. Right. Well, I, I like the fact that Spike didn't in the flashbacks, it's Chadwick and then them. But <laughs> he didn't hire younger actors. He hired those four guys play themselves younger, but they don't do anything except change well, their hairstyle. Yeah. And really what what I think here's what I think it is. I think those guys never aged. I think they're that was the point in time where they stopped growing up. They stopped growing up because they were so tortured by what they saw and what they did that they were, it's almost like they're immortal and they live in that era and that moment forever. And they address, they address how the black soldiers were yeah. treated in Vietnam, which mm -hmm. is a good point. People forget Timely. that. Timely. Dan, what is your runner up for 2020? I, I I just I smile when I think about this movie. Another round. Um, it's just it's Mads. I, I've been a Mads Michelson fan for a long time. He's he's known mostly as adversaries in Casino Royale and Doctor Strange, and he's just coming on into becoming this leading man that I think blends toughness, tenderness, and emotion. And in this movie, it's for four high school teachers. They say, "Hey, let's try to." This philosopher <laughs> says that you're it's a born real guy. With a, it's a real theory. It's a real theory that you're born with 0 0.05, but out to less. So you got to add. You should have 0. alcohol in your system at all times, at all but times. only about a half of a percent. And and I just think, what did they say? Well, what what did him, what did what, what did what did Churchill say? I don't drink before breakfast. Right. <laughs> and it's just the writing. The acting, the the dinner table scene where Mads Michelson tells him that his life is just, I mean, I mean, it's heartbreaking. I mean, mm -hmm. and you you won't laugh more than when you see one of the guys on a soccer field coaching kids, and this little kid that's been picked Specs. on scores the goal, and he Specs. goes, yeah! and it's just, and when they go into the grocery store, and he says, "Why don't you have?" Cod, you only—it's only seasonal seven out of the twelve months of the year, and it's, it's just, only seasonal with months and an R in it. <laughs> it's just—I mean, look at this—we're laughing, talking about mm -hmm. it. It's just—it's—it's it's a movie that took me. It, I thought it was going to be good, but it really caught me off guard. And the ending, which is not a stunt double, Mads Michelson dances like I've never seen him dance before. And it celebrates what the movie is about. It's about celebrating your life and not thinking too much about, oh, am I boring or am I not? It's being yourself. And I just think that dance number at the end where he gets to be really free and the whole movie, they teased it, that he yeah. can dance, but we never get to see it. And then all of a sudden, Mads is like, Boom. oh, I can dance. Well, oh, there's, man. I only, I was lied to about this movie. I was told that, it's a movie with friends drinking, but then there aren't any movies where drinking doesn't have its consequences. And in yeah. this movie, the consequences, some of them are 
devastating. Some of them are horrible. Why can't we just have movies about drinking and having fun? No, every this the drinking all day with a half percent blood alcohol levels has major consequences for all four of these guys. It does. Some to a lesser degree, but some way, 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 way. And that's that's what was missold to me. And so because I thought, you know, once. Once the uh, other shoe drops, it got dark pretty quick. It did. It did. I mean, and, you know, I think it's about where alcohol can alcohol is like a double edged sword. It can take you to the most beautiful places and it can take you into a thunderstorm if you let it. And I love the way that one of the guys who gets who complains about their kids peeing in his bed, he pees in the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But that's my number two. My runner-up for film of the year is uh, a movie that you guys have already talked about. It's Nomadland, starring Francis McDormand and David Strathairn. And guess what? Everybody else, well, David uses his real name. Everybody else, Linda May uses her real name. Swanky uses his real name. It's all non-actors. Bob Wells, who is actually a guru of this world. No, it's this is based on a book. And it's a nonfiction book. And this is a fictionalized story of a nonfiction book. And it is fantastic. Nomadland. And it's not because that Chloe Zhao just sent us a personalized note. That's not why that I'm choosing this movie, even if she wouldn't have done what she did. This movie is just very sweet. And as I said in my original review, I kept the way we're trained to see films now, I kept waiting for something horrible to happen to yeah. Fran to Fern. And guess what? I'm not going to, something does happen to Fern, but it's not what you're expecting. And it's just a sweet little film. Lynn, Lynn what's your runner up for the for Number the two, Lynn. Number two is the trial of the Chicago seven. I have not seen Mangrove yet. So, That's okay. so but this spoke to me. I, um, <laughs> Did um, I'm old enough to have watched the riots at the Democratic National Convention in real time in 1968. This is the trial, 1969, under the Nixon White House. Yes. And uh, that has a lot to do with it, too. And you forget many of the aspects of this if you know Bobby anything Seale. about it. Oh, that Bobby but, Seale scene yeah. is horrible Oh, my to watch. goodness. That scene, the mistrial. But what I liked about it, besides Sorkin's words, just sing, he added political theater to this and he added the cultural (laughs) revolutionary aspect of it. And what I liked about that is to show that he said in an interview, he said that he knew he had a spotlight, a relationship, and he got to he spent time with Bobby Hayton before he before he died mm-hmm. and um or not by you know who i'm talking about ready uh, tom hayden. eddie redmayne tom hayden eddie tom redmayne. hayden played by eddie redmayne because he had meticulous records and you think he's going to be the villain and he took the relationship between abby hoffman played by sasha baron cohen Man, so good. and eddie redmayne's tom hayden and showed they were uh, they were opposites but they came to a mutual understanding. But I think this is so timely in terms of talking about 
the need to preserve our civil liberties and the need for civil discourse. Well, there's some people we have not mentioned. We you need to mention Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch, Noah Robbins, Daniel Flaherty, and you also have to mention Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Frank Langella. Frank Langella, if anybody is to win an award for this film as an actual supporting actor, he is the supporting actor in this film. <laughs> Even though they're all going as an ensemble for every single one is a supporting actor, Frank Langella is the supporting actor in this film. Oh, and Mark Rylance. Oh, yeah, Mark Rylance. Oh, my God, so good as William Kunstler. It's meticulous as a period piece, but it is it resonates very timely. And at the time when they you know started working on this, the civil liberties were not as challenged as they are now. Uh, it makes you hate Frank Langella. Okay. You just hate him. You hate him. He was Skeletor. Now he's hated again. <laughs> all right. So, let's let's do this. Let's so, do so, this. So, so let me double confirm. So all the other actors are actually being they're being run as leads. No, they're all going as supporters. Yeah, no, no, they're all okay. Supported. Well, then then I'll just go off my whole <laughs> Every single one of them you is could, supporting. You could. You could like what? what I mean, let's think to about me, it. That's the ensemble. Sasha, I think Mark, that Frank, Eddie, Eddie, all of them, everybody. All right, it's even the Alex Sharp. Do you know Alex Sharp was for the incident of the dog in the nighttime? Oh, on Broadway. Because yeah. I thought, where did he come from? And I found out Broadway. Okay, all right, Dan. We already know what it is. But it's the, it tell is us the about way, the way back. It's the way back. I mean, and, and the thing is about this movie, I was this is the one I was looking forward to this time last year. I saw the trailer. I'm a big Ben Affleck fan, but you know, he was he was in rehab when he was filming this movie. So he had to really channel some demons. And I've always thought the guys had charisma. They just tried to paint this this man as an action star when he never really was. He's better than that. And Gavin O'Connor hasn't really lost as a director. He's done, uh, I mean, The Accountant. He's done Warrior Miracle. He, he knows how to make compelling stories. And what I liked about this a lot is that it was not about the basketball team. It was always about this guy. And, again, they don't tell you everything about him. You just see that he's drinking and he's sad. He's a washed-out high school basketball star. And he gets a chance to kind of, you know, rebuild his life and possibly find some redemption, but it doesn't come easy. I mean, when, when, when you're an alcoholic, you're, you're addicted, you know, just because a sports team wins a basketball game doesn't mean you want to stop drinking. And I like Something the way you want to drink to celebrate. I know. It's because alcoholics that, look for any excuse to drink. Because what I liked about the movie is that it, it was a very fearless and honest script about alcoholism and, and addiction and grief. People don't understand that what his character was dealing with. So I thought Affleck, he's he, he was just tremendous in the lead role. I, I know he's channeling some, you know, there's there's real life in there too, but it still it doesn't make it easy to play on screen. And Gavin O'Connor and just the movie, a very unconventional sports drama. So that's my number one. And you've been championing this film since it came out. O almost as much as Ben. And it came out in March. It came out in March. You had Mark. You had uh, The Way Back. You had Invisible Man. You had The Hunt. And then all of a sudden, things stopped. Kaboom. Kaboom. 
Well, my number one film of the year is a movie that you both have already talked about. It is Promising Young Woman. Nice. And here is why I chose this. This movie is setting you up the whole time to have one of two outcomes. And the genius of this film is that either outcome is can be considered by opponents as tidy. If it, if it if the film ends one way, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly how it was supposed to happen. If it ends the other way, well, yes, I can see how that happens. And either ending is acceptable. I like the one they chose, but if it would have gone the other way, also would have been acceptable, and they both would have still made a point. If a film can do that, I am very impressed. The, it, it was, it's the, it's the, that is what I've learned this year. If, if I'm taken on a journey and I enjoy the journey and enjoy the outcome, I am very impressed. And that's hard to do. All right, Lynn, you're up. My number one is one that you have mentioned before, and it is Nomadland. It is an epic poem of life in America and the shots of the West are just breathtaking, but it's so real. It's so authentic. This is a real segment of our population in the gig economy. They don't have enough money to retire. So they pack everything up and they move on. And this journey is anchored by Frances McDormand. And her face just tells it all. And that one scene where they're saying you're homeless and she says, no, I'm houseless. That's different. That's the thing about these, some of these people, they're not, they're not on the street. They're choosing to live this lifestyle. It's not that they don't want to, or they, they, that this is their lifestyle. They've chosen this. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them. Just go on YouTube. My, my dad watches these people that live next to lakes and then they pull next to a forest, they pull into a park and they're YouTube stars. <laughs> and she makes enough money. Yeah, and David Straithorn's character. Yeah, go ahead, Lynn. David Straithorn's character is so good because he's, you know, <laughs> they're working menial jobs to pay for the whole year Excuse me. Her, her seasonal work at yeah. amazon takes <clears throat> gives her enough money to work to uh, survive the entire year and when she has an opportunity to live better she chooses not to yeah she's her sister says why don't you come live with us and she says no I, I, that's not that is not my path I just think it's it's brilliantly told. Chloe Zhao made a movie called The Writer. It won a lot of Independent Spirit Awards a couple of years ago, and it fell through our cracks. We didn't have access to it. And I always thought we probably should see that. But she is a force to be reckoned with. And uh, she is uh, the, the guy who did the score. It's fabulous music score. It's it is, uh, yeah. cinema, cinematography, Joshua James Richardson. Brilliant. Everything about this movie is so raw and so real and so affecting most of the movies on my top 10 are like gut punches but they also have a poetry to them too it was good it was a good year for film now i want to ask you both this since 2020 was such a good year for film (laughs) all these movies were made last year does this mean that next year is going to be horrible (laughs) or do you think they saved they saved everything 
and then put it out this year. I'm in. I think I, I, I think that this next year is going to pack even more of a punch. I, I think there's big budget films are going to be more plentiful. It's going to be more often. You're going to have a, a Marvel film, a James Bond film, uh, you know, and, and you know a DCEU film, and you're going to have like six indies. It, it's I think it's going to be a a, a, a a relentless year for film. No, because we're still going to have all the Sundance movies. <laughs> and then everything that didn't get played at the festivals that were canceled will be up. on board. And then, oh, you know, people were talking about, <laughs> oh, 2021 didn't get to have all these blockbusters. Well, I don't care. It was still a good movie, a good movie year for us. Yeah. If you look at the phenomenal movie, year if you for look us. at the, if you look at like your lists, is there a blockbuster on there? I guess Hamilton would have been a blockbuster if it was released in theaters. But uh, yeah, uh, Soul I mean, would have been a blockbuster too. But not really. Not really. I mean, nothing really. I mean, on my list, maybe Defy Bloods is the highest budget. Right, and that because they shot that on location. Well, yeah, not, yeah, that was in what Thailand they shot it. Thailand, yeah, they mm-hmm. shot that in, like the hardcore. Keep your eye out. All right, Dan, thank you for being on with us. Yeah, Dan, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, guys, if you were going to say your, your uh, we already talked about comedies, and I think the universal between us all is Palm Springs would be the comedy of the year. What uh, do you think is your horror movie of the year? Um, horror is so subjective. I, I, I know it's not going to be the rental. My mine is the the dark and the wicked. It's got kind of a no name cast, but just the way that they shot this horror film about two siblings coming home to care for their mother, who they just all lost their her husband and their dad, and bad stuff happens. But in the most original way, it's it's the most it's the scariest film I've watched of the year. The dark. I thought and the you wicked. liked Possessor, Dan. Yeah, that that's number two. That, that that's kind of you know jostling with a. Uh, couple other ones but yeah dark and the wicked is my number one uh unhinged was all right alone was good even though it's a shot for shot remake of a danish or swedish or netherland film uh swallow is very swallow turns very horror and then does a big left turn at the end um the wretched uh that was that's that surprised me at the very end I really liked The Invisible Man. I was very impressed with the editing and with Elizabeth Moss. And I liked how they turned the script around. And that's the way to make a remake. And then I loved Freaky. Freaky just blew away how funny it was, but also the horror aspect. And then uh, there's a movie on Netflix called His House. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Terrifying. And has a deeper meaning and the acting and it's very good. And then I like Synchronic, which you mentioned, Dan. I wouldn't say that's a horror film. I'd say that's more of a sci-fi Science thriller. Fiction. More sci-fi. But hey, but hey it's still, it, it gets mentioned again, which is good. Yes. yes. Dan, where can we find you on the social, sir? We can find me at uh, Facebook, Dan Buffa, but also I'm posting all my movie reviews on the newly revamped Dose of Buffa Facebook page. Yay. More more commentary at the website too on Twitter at Buff82 and most of my stuff as well at KSDK News. 
Now, are you going to be doing working for the St. Louis game time once hockey starts up again? I am going to be writing some unfiltered, very uh, profanity-filled hockey takes for the St. Louis game time people. As it should be. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carly Intern. And in two weeks, I will be doing a horn test for the first time since last March. And that will be good. And I hope everyone sees it and likes it and puts a nice heart on it because I have been waiting to test the goal horn for the St. Louis blues for a long time. You can hear me on the max on movies podcast, and you can find me on the intercom family of radio stations, including 97, one FM talk, KMOX, Y98. And now we have more stations, more, more, more stations here at intercom. And Lynn, where are you young lady? I am in the Webster Kirkwood times and I am on the KTRS every Thursday evening in the 1030 hour. And uh, I am uh, here with Real Times Trio every week. And I my own website, which is a work in progress, poplifestl.com. Poplifestl.com. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy, Happy New Year. Year. A happy, healthy, and hopeful 2021. And next yeah. week, Lynn will have better Wi-Fi. Yeah. See you later. Bye.